Welcome back to another episode of the Anti-Diet Club podcast. We are your hosts, Gillian and Tamsin, and each week we're going to be diving into a conversation around food and body from an anti-diet perspective. Gillian, what have we got coming up on the show today? What a great intro, Tamsin. <laughs> oh, goodness. <What>? <laughs> <laughs> you totally nailed it. You totally nailed it. Um, we're going to use that every time. Um Today, we are going to speak about boundaries. It's something that has been coming up for me personally. I know for you personally. And also, I feel like we're coming into this time of year. Clients are starting to speak about um, how they navigate their non-diet body acceptance journey when we're around other people who are not on that same journey. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely been coming up for me. So this is a really good episode for us to dive into today. All right, then. So where do we begin with this? I guess I guess I hear this idea of like, you've got to set a boundary, you've got to have healthy boundaries all the time. But I'm not sure we all really know what a freaking boundary is. So what do you how do you see a boundary? What, what do you think it is? I think for me, putting in a boundary is putting in a it's well it can be anything from a request to something a little bit more formal so you mean you can ask people to maybe if you're talking about food and body to you know not to be talking about that kind of stuff around you and you don't even have to give a reason but you can ask that you don't talk about that stuff like if you're going out for dinner with the girls you might be able to say let's just talk about something else it's a simple request but when we talk about boundaries it does kind of add like another layer to it where there's a consequence where if that boundary isn't met you're going to, there's a, there's a consequence. And perhaps it's something as simple as, you know, if we cannot stop talking about food and body, when we go out to dinner, then I'm, you know, going to either leave the table or I'm not going to come, you know, it can be that kind of, so that's what it is for me. It can be that kind of, you know, that consequence where you'll take action. And then it's really down to you as an individual to kind of follow through with that action in whatever way you feel comfortable yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I'm thinking from what you've said there what the trickiest parts with that is. And I think the first the, the first tricky part of what you said is the verbalization of the boundary or the request. Sometimes it can that can be the, the stumbling block like how do I how do I put across my needs in a way that doesn't start a conversation around it, right? It's, that's the irony. You're putting a boundary in place to say, can we not talk about this? And by putting the boundary in, the other person often wants to talk about why you feel you need to set this boundary, right? Um, we also feel it's difficult because we feel like we're going to be upsetting people. We feel like we're going to cause some kind of conflict. Um, and most of us are conflict adverse, right? So like that feels difficult. The second hard part, I think, from what you've said is how do we follow through with that consequence? Because it often means seeing less of somebody that otherwise we really like being in their company. Those are the two tricky parts. So what I wanted to say was on the first part, we don't always have to verbalize our boundaries, right? Yeah, I like what you said about it being hard because I think... That's what I really wanted to get across was how hard it is and how actually you and I don't have this nailed in our own personal lives in every single situation. You know, it is really difficult to sit and think about like, how do I get 
you know, protect my own needs without pulling myself away from, you know, quite often the people we love, you know, if it's in a family or friend situation, um, and it is different in every situation because sometimes there's like, you know, more formal situations like, you know, work or in medical situations, even where it is more formal and you don't necessarily know the other person that you're putting that boundary in place with. But when it is people we know and people we love, you're right, that that does add that like layer of, you know, in some ways it's another layer of guilt, isn't it? Which we don't need when we're trying to get away from diet culture and the guilt of diet culture. We end up with another thing of thinking, well, if I put this in place, I'm going to, you know, make that person feel bad about what they've said to me so far. And we kind of almost play it out in our heads. Like, how is it going to, how's it going to go down? What are they going to say? And sometimes we don't want to draw attention to the difficulties we've had around food and body or are having with food and body because it's shining that light back on what we have been suffering with and dealing with often without people knowing. We don't talk about how hard this stuff is in circles of our friends or family. Like I don't, you know, turn up to my mum's house on a Sunday afternoon for for lunch and start talking about how difficult you know, diet culture has been on my life. I don't have those sorts of conversations. I never have had those conversations. Mm-hmm. So to suddenly start putting in a boundary, I mean, it's sort of expected for me now having this as my job and something that I do to help other people. But had it been prior to that, I don't know how that would work and how that would have gone down. And like you said, it does often lead to more conversations about the very thing we're trying not to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I hear what you're saying about um, often this journey that we're on, if we've decided that we that dieting has been really destructive for us and we want to explore this other way, and let's face it, when we are rejecting diet culture in the early days and we're exploring this idea of freaking acceptance like which just seems so hard in the beginning right this idea of like okay I'm just like supposed to accept myself I'm just supposed to you know like not cling to some kind of diet when we're in that space we're generally really vulnerable right really sensitive and that's not a time when you often feel strong enough to be having conversations with other people, or as you say, just putting a simple request in because it shines a light on it. Most people I would say that I work with aren't public about their journey. Most of it, I'm the only person in the world they speak to about it for a really long time until they build up that what I kind of see as like, you feel you feel steadier. Then we might start to think about discussing it with other kind of safe people, but often the people that we're trying to set the boundary with aren't the safe people. Yeah, I agree. They're often, you know, kind of the people that we've been spending our time with in diet culture, you know, maybe friends that we've been to swimming clubs with, or, you know, people that we've sort of sat around the table, like picking ourselves apart. I mean, how many times have you had it said to you where, you know, if you say to someone, you know, in your early days of recovery before this became, you know, work for you. How often do people say to you, but you always used to be the one who dieted. You were always the, you know, one who was on it, you know, from Christmas day onwards, all that kind of stuff. You know, we've talked about this stuff before. They are so used to that being part of your identity. It can be really hard for them, especially if this is like new, if this is new news. And I think they often struggle with that. And even if they, understand it from your perspective they may often always kind of bring it back to oh well I know that you're doing that and I'm so pleased for you and and that's great 
but this is about me. And actually the reason I talk about, you know, dieting and body and this, that, and the other is because I'm unhappy with my weight. I, everyone else can be whatever they want to be. You know, they don't see that in that fat phobia in their own language and how that impacts on other people. They see it as just them and how they feel about themselves. Yeah. And not understanding that, that talking about dieting and the the active pursuit of them shrinking their body they're projecting that out into the world and that is harmful because essentially what they're saying is they're positioning thinner bodies as better whatever way of controlling food as being more virtuous or more or better in some way and even though it's not about you it is about you because what they're saying is, these are my values, these are my beliefs. And I'm sat there thinking, well, if your value is thinness and your value is raw veganism, you might be happy for me that I'm not either of those things, but I'm not, I'm feeling like I'm just not fitting in with what you value and what you admire and what you respect and what how you want to live your life and I think you're right I think for us as humans we do we we are constantly listening and looking to see whether we fit in that's our human nature to do that and I think if some you ask you know we are looking for where people align with our current values and belief systems and when that shifts and changes it's unsettling for both sides you know it can be really confusing for the person who still remains in diet culture as to why we have stepped out. It can be really just, they they can be stuck in, they're so deep into it that it's so hard for them to understand why, mm-hmm. you know, that that is not our now normal, you know? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah the things that bond you together and, the, the, you know, it's something that has been probably one of your most um, common kind of topics of conversation and beliefs and, and, and activities together um, suddenly there's this kind of real um, separation this real dissonance and and for me it's like I was the I was the cheerleader I was the the leader of the diet pack you know I was the one bringing that into conversations that probably it wouldn't have happened otherwise and now suddenly I'm the one that is you know trying to step away from that it can be really confusing for people but what I want to say to anybody listening is even if you were the one that was you know the pioneer of dieting and shrinking you are absolutely allowed to be within a a second of you deciding you know that you don't want to be that person anymore that you want to explore a different way and we can't be living up to the kind of um, identity or the personality or the characteristics that other people expect us to be just because we formed that identity, right? I formed it for myself. I was really public about it, how much, you know, I was into like health, right? AKA dieting, but health. And now suddenly people are like, oh, you're not that person anymore, um, you're 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 walking this different path, and just because it's hard for other people to get that and understand that, um, I you need to continue on what you think is best for you and what's healthiest for you, even when other people don't understand. 
I agree. And just to circle back to what you were saying there about, you know, whatever your identity was prior to you, where you are now, like, that's okay. I mean, I could totally relate to that because it was very difficult for me coming, you know, having my eyes opened and thinking something completely different when prior to that, I was taking pictures of my food and, you know, loading up my stats from all my workouts and putting things on my posts, like, you know, no excuses for mums or what you like. I was that person. And I, mm-hmm. I really hate looking back at any of that stuff because it's not me now at all, but it's just growth and it's allowed. And you have to, it's another level of giving yourself permission to believe something different based on your own experience and your own knowledge. And also remembering that even though you may think that everybody else is still remaining in diet culture and they now think a different way to you, you might just give someone that little bit of permission to go and explore a different avenue. Mm -hmm. Whether they do that in conversation with you or off their own back, you might be helping them to look at look inward at their own relationship with food and body mm-hmm. and go on their own you know journey of discovery because we don't have these conversations enough about how hard this stuff is and i think the more we can do that with permission i think you know when we do place those boundaries it gets people thinking oh okay like there's a different perspective and they might start thinking about how incredibly hard it is to remain stuck in diet culture and at war with your body and you might just open that door for somebody else yeah yeah you're absolutely right I think um we are so used to bonding over dieting that it it um we we don't seem to bond over the the struggle that we all have around dieting right the bonding seems to be like the the cheerleading squad, the kind of toxic positivity of you're doing great, keep going, you know, like try this, do this. But there's not bonding around the kind of darker side of it as to actually how hard it is, how much we feel like failures most of the time, um, how we just hate ourselves for, you know, falling off the wagon. There aren't enough of those conversations. And I see this in my my group um, that I, my group program, when people come together, a small group of people in a, you know, as safe a space as possible. um, It's a refreshing change of dynamic to be able to bond over the struggle and, and, and the downfalls of it, as opposed to the kind of toxic narrative around it of, you know, just work harder, just do this, just do that. Um, and also what I picked up from what you said as well is, um, how hard it is to advocate for ourselves, but when, when you see other people advocate for themselves and we can be talking way out with, out with food and body stuff here, it could be anything, but when you see somebody else finding the courage to step up and say, no, I can't have this conversation or no, I don't want to do this or go there, whatever it is, you're right. It does make people think, oh, well, if she can do that, then maybe I can do that. You know, I think I think often people are really envious when they see other people advocating for their own needs in that way. And I think that's what boundary setting is, particularly when it's public in that way. But I also just want to say that it's still a boundary, even if you don't go public with it, even if you just decide for yourself, 
This is where my line is. This is what, this is where, you know, it is no longer helpful or healthy for me to be around this or listening to this. And even though I don't feel like I have the confidence or the courage to be verbal about that boundary, I'm going to be loyal to myself. And I'm going to know that once that conversation veers in that direction, I'm either going to leave or go to the toilet until it's over with, or be the person to be like, I'll get another round of drinks in, or I'll go and, you know, get the the next coffee or whatever it is you can, or I'm going to just step outside. I need to take this phone call or I need to text. Like there are ways that if you don't feel ready to have those conversations and I absolutely hundred percent get why people do not want to have those conversations ever, but certainly in the beginning, A, because I think people are so foreign to this idea of body acceptance and anti-diet. It's it's not mainstream. Let's let's be real about that. Um, it can be a really foreign concept. It can be really misunderstood. When people are early on in their journey, they maybe don't have the vocabulary. They don't have it clear enough in their mind. I have people that come to the end of my programs and be like, how do I even begin to describe any of this work? to my family and friends. Like it's so big and it's so nuanced. It's hard to sum it up in a few sentences. Um, So don't feel for anybody listening, the pressure to know the answer to all these things, because it can be really terrifying when people, and let's face it, people are committed to diet culture. When they come back with a retort of, oh, well, tell me more about this. I don't understand it. And why are you doing it? And this and that. People are committed to diet culture. People have invested a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of emotion, a lot of, you know, many decades of their life into diet culture. People are going to defend it. And it can be really, really hard if if you're not good with conflict and you don't have the confidence or the vocabulary to stand up for yourself. So we do have to be careful not to put ourselves into those positions because it can really bring a lot of self-doubt if you feel like you haven't, you know, defended your position well enough. Yeah. And don't ever feel like you have to kind of get into the the stats or the debates, you know, your lived experience is enough and your, you know, it doesn't even have to be a, the reason you don't want to talk about this sort of stuff it doesn't even have to be because you find it harmful or hard in a way it can actually be as simple as you just find it boring like that's okay too I think we forget that but I love what you said about like you know it can be just self-imposed you don't have to have a verbalized consequence and I think this is what you described there about just kind of going to the loo or taking a phone call or you know suddenly needing to do something with my children and that is actually quite often the my um the the boundary sort of setting that I revert to because it's just some in some ways I've found it much easier because often when we try and put in something with consequences or just even more detail people are like you said so stuck and invested in diet culture and it's not necessarily their fault it's based on their experiences the 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 culture that we live in um, they are so invested that quite often what happens is it just makes things worse. They're not able to validate how you feel 
um, and understand your experiences and, and hold space for those because they're not, they haven't got the capacity or the ability to do that, you know? Yeah. And, and, and maybe the lived experience of, of it either. Um, we can, you know, I think people don't realize how harmful diet culture can be, but because they aren't open to pursue, like even listening or learning about a different way, they just keep going and keep going, no matter how destructive it is. Um, and on that point, I think because of that, people aren't open to being educated, right? And I'm a firm believer that you can't educate someone without their consent, right? Someone has to be willing and open-hearted, open-minded enough to to learn. We can't we can't say to somebody, "You're going to learn about this because it's important to me." Um, it's going to land on deaf ears. We're talking about something that's pretty controversial here, right? It's like the same way that you probably wouldn't start talking about religion and pushing your ideologies onto someone else if they're not open to learning about it. And even if someone says they're open to learning about it, once they actually hear what you have to say about it, they might become really, you know, they might start attacking and they might become quite defensive and start attacking and start or start asking questions that you find quite challenging that would insinuate that they're really, you know, not not on board at all with what you're saying. So often I think, you know, if someone is says that they're open to educate and it doesn't even have to be you being the educator, you being the one that actually holds that conversation, you can send them a book, you can point them towards a podcast and just make it kind of secondhand information that way, um, as opposed to you being the educator yourself. But on the topic of boundaries, I don't even think that we need people to learn or understand or agree with, right? This is where I think I see a lot of people getting tripped up. And I I get it. I understand it. I want my best friend to completely understand what I do and validate it and, and have the same beliefs. That would be brilliant. But also that, that might not be the case in what happens. Most people want their partners to also deeply, deeply understand and be on board and be, you know, the next anti-diet kind of, you know, cheerleader. But that likely isn't going to happen, A, because they probably don't have the investment if they've not had that own personal struggle themselves. How they were raised and their conditioning and their family might mean that they're seeing this really, really differently. So we do have to ask ourselves when it comes to boundaries, is there a requirement for the other people in our lives to wholeheartedly get it and understand and be on board? Or do we just need them to respect our autonomy and our decisions in the fact that we know what's best for us and, and, and maybe even agree to disagree? Yeah, I quite often see this um, in my coaching practice as well with, and actually myself, I've this, this, you know, a lot of what you're saying there about, you know, educating people before they're ready. I have done that in my early days and it, it doesn't work, you know, it works well in different situations, but you are absolutely right. If somebody's not open to it, it is not somewhere you want to start getting into because you'll just come off feeling 
more exhausted, more depleted, and also questioning your own beliefs at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But I often see with clients, like you say, you know, trying to get partners to understand. And a lot of the time I see people who've got partners that who have, who don't have a disordered relationship with food in their body. Mm-hmm. And that's where the challenge comes in with them not like, you know, getting it. They don't understand where their partner is coming from. And quite often they will kind of you try and have these conversations with them, but they're coming at these conversations when they're so early in their journey or their work with me, they, they're quite often coming straight in off the back of diet culture, having kind of maybe not ever even knowing what intuitive eating is or, you know, understanding all that stuff. So they're coming into it really fresh and then trying to have a conversation with someone in the first few weeks about what they're doing. And they get themselves tied up in this kind of, trying to keep their partner safe in the, well, don't worry because this, all that's going to happen is I'm not dieting anymore. They kind of like get them into this. Well, I've, you know, I won't like, you know, I won't be getting any bigger and that their own fat phobia has not been healed and dealt with. And that is really interesting to me. So it's like, it's quite hard as a, a coach to kind of talk them through that scenario. It's like, you need to not be kind of, you know, putting those conditions on yourself when you don't know that that's the case. You don't know Mm -hmm. how your body's going to change. And we have to get you to the point where you're okay with that change before you start telling your other half, or don't worry, like, you know, this Mm -hmm. is, this is me. This is what, you know, you don't know what your body's going to do. Your body could do anything. Um, And that's the challenges like when they're not, their fat phobia is still in place and they're trying to have a conversation about food and body. It's, it's so hard. Yeah, yeah, it, you're right. This process does take time. There's a lot of internal work to do before we can, you know, start taking it out into the into our relationships, out into the wider world, which is hard. It can feel isolating. You know, this is a hard enough journey without, you know, feeling like we don't have the support of our loved ones around us, right? Um. I'm wondering about the people that aren't necessarily our nearest and dearest, right? I'm thinking about people who are maybe going, I don't know, not everybody's parents are their nearest and dearest. We can love our parents wholeheartedly, but sometimes we are just not going to change their fat phobia. They are where they are. Sometimes siblings, sometimes extended family, right? Great great aunt Susan or, you know, Jimmy down the road, or when we go back to our hometowns for Christmas, New Year, that kind of thing. I revert back to like a teenager when I go back home, I kind of start behaving, not like a kind of rebellious teenager, but just becoming or going back to the person that people expect, you know, that when they knew you back in the day, and and what they expect of you, you become again, if that makes sense. Um, And when I'm in that environment, I find it really hard to be like an adult and advocate for my needs, because I still feel like the child in that kind of environment. Um, And I'm just wondering how folks are going to go about protecting themselves through the use of healthy boundaries when they're in this situation where they're around the Christmas table and granny shouts, don't be having any more of those roast potatoes now, you know, or whatever, whatever it is, food and body commentary, like how do we deal with that in those situations? Cause it can be, 
it can be really hard. Yeah, definitely. I love what you said that. Like, it's almost like talking about keeping family safe and almost like protecting their needs rather than your own. If you're reverting back to, you know, how you sort of think they perceive you, it's really interesting to kind mm-hmm. of just, uh, it's just as an observation. Um, and I think lots of people would recognize that um, we are what people need us to be almost in those situations. And especially at say Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year's, whatever we're spending that time with family, it's really hard. And I don't know that we necessarily even have the answers sewn up ourselves here. And I think it's important for people to know that it really depends on your family dynamic. And you know, it is perfectly okay to not want to get into that conversation. And also, you know, you may not actually sort of see it coming. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of the bit that I struggle with is you might go home or go and spend some time with family or even spend some time with friends you haven't seen for a long time or anyone really, but you're not in their company a lot. And you're not necessarily know that they are typically going to start talking about food or body. Maybe it's something you've never spoken to them about before. They've never, ever said anything. And then all of a sudden, you'll find yourself sitting in the middle of a conversation you cannot escape from. This happens to me more often than I would like. And I don't know what the answer is. Um, I'm just kind of putting it out there in case it's anyone else's struggle, because it feels like you're just sideswiped. And all of a sudden, I'm just sitting there in this conversation that I just want to get out of you know, whatever it is about food or how we eat or how our bodies are or weight loss or whatever. Um, And it's usually the person talking about themselves. I, you know, typically I think you and I understand our privileges and that we don't have, we don't have family members and people are kind of coming at us with their viewpoints about our own bodies, but it can, it still kind of sends this message, doesn't it? About what they think, like going back to what you were saying about their values and their beliefs, Um, And I think it can be difficult if you are around a family table and the conversation changes Um, and they start talking, you know, like you said, granny starts talking about, oh, don't have too many of those roast potatoes or, you know, you're not going to have this, you're not going to have that, or you're going to have to run that off tomorrow. You know, this kind of, a lot of families have this like narrative around earning food or burning food off. Um, I know that's conversation that's come up in my own family before, which I wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can be just so hard. I think, well, I don't even know what my advice would be. I mean, if you know that your family are typically like that, you can put in something before you go up and say, look, you know, I'm trying to work on myself and I just want to enjoy my time with you. I haven't seen you for a while, but that does rely on you having quite a open, you know, discussion. And like you said, not many people always have that in place. There also might be family members that you don't particularly know, like extended family maybe mm-hmm. siblings, partners that you're not really familiar with, or they've got a new partner that you don't know. It It's just such a difficult time of year to navigate. And I think, I don't know if I'm being really that helpful because I don't know the answer. Yeah, I think you're right with people who maybe you don't know that well, or are an environment that you go into that you absolutely weren't expecting, that you kind of had thought would be a safe space. And then you're confronted with all this diet chat. Um, I think what's really underestimated here is, and this is what I remember in the in my early days, when I didn't even have the confidence I was saying earlier about, oh, get up and, you know, go to the toilet or, you know, um, make a phone call or something. There was times when I didn't even have the ability to do that. 
so the first step I remember clearly actually was I'm going to sit and listen, but I'm not going to contribute. And just not contributing is an act of self-love, I want to say, right? An act of um, loyalty to your own new path, however, you know, however that is being explored, because you're not, you're not, you're not adding fuel to that conversation. You're not perpetuating it. And I'll tell you what, it's really, really freaking hard to just bite your lip because you said earlier, we're hardwired to want to fit in. We're hardwired to want to belong. Um, We're hardwired to kind of people please in that sense, right? It is really hard to just keep your mouth closed because especially with new people or like, as you say, like, girlfriends or or boyfriends of of sisters or, or you know cousins we don't want to be seen as the person who's difficult to get on with and diet bonding particularly among women is one of the easiest ways to generate discussion so that is a boundary by just not engaging in it and having the stamina to tolerate that conversation and have it going on around you and just breathing and staying loyal to that kind of person that you're trying to nurture inside you right as opposed to jumping into the default um and it's really really it, that's really hard to do that um the other thing that i wanted to say as well is most women i work with and i'd be interested to see if you find this too our relationships with our mothers and how they, what their beliefs are around bodies and health and weight and dieting, I would say the percentage for me has to be up in the 80 odd percent, maybe even creeping towards 90% of people's troubles stem from their mothers. And I don't say that to be, you know, kind of berating mothers here. Mothers, <laughs> I'm not a mother, but I can imagine it's the hardest job in the world. This isn't to say that they failed or they've done something wrong. This is just to say that we're all humans and the way that our parents were raised and their worldview has an effect on us and how we see things. And we adopt and we inherit these beliefs and um from that conditioning and there comes a point and I see this the day you realize that your parents aren't perfect your parents are humans they were doing the best that they could and we get to choose if we want to uphold their beliefs or choose different ones for ourselves it can be really really hard to know I'm sure that you're loved by your parents by your mother that they love you unconditionally and they accept you but they don't get you they don't understand because they're so committed to their own way of being and their own way of seeing and they can't help but project that onto you and it's largely based if I had a pound for every client that said but I know my mom, she just wants me to be healthy. 
That's all my mum wants, healthy and happy. And she thinks the way for me to get there is the way that she has pursued that for herself in the past. You can only be happy and healthy if you're small. So I want that for you. And all my comments are about the roast potatoes or the morning run the next day is for your own good. It's because I love you. It's because I want what's best for you. And that's really, really, really hard because you know it's coming from a loving place, but it's also not helpful. And again, as daughters or children of parents, we want to please our parents. We want to be accepted by our parents. And even though, I mean, I know, you know, my parents unconditionally love me, there's still a part that's like, but I'm pursuing something different from what I know you believe in. And that's hard. I think there's grief attached to that. I think there's grief attached to deciding to go a different path to what your parents would have liked you to have pursued. And it takes so much strength and so much courage and so much loyalty to your own lived experience in in the face of that. And when you go home for Christmas or, you know, Thanksgiving, these these other things, if you're in the States, it brings it home that there's this disconnect. And again, most in the past, most of us would try and bridge that disconnection and try and find that understanding or um, acceptance from our parents by choosing the route that they want for us which is often the dieting route. So I just want to mention that it can be, it can be really hard. Yeah, definitely. I, I see so much of what you're saying with clients um, in terms of that, their, their mums, you're, you're so right in how you put it. And sometimes, you know, it isn't always from that real kind of like place of them caring. Sometimes I've seen it on a really, you know, much more, kind of toxic relationships where they haven't got that real deep bond and that connection for whatever reason but it's it always stems back to the fact that you know I kind of get clients to think about where you know what kind of environment their own parents their own mothers have been brought up in and what they have been taught to believe and it's been handed down for many many years this isn't something that they have just come up with it's it's a it's a reflection of their own upbringing and their own exposure to this diet culture stuff mm-hmm. which just seems to just be getting more and more intense you know for everybody and i think quite a lot of the clients that i see come to me because they have young children particularly daughters and they want to break that cycle they want to be the first step in that that the end of it the end of diet culture the end of handing down years and years of just constantly going back through the same you know, punishing our bodies with food, you know, in terms of what we eat or, you know, exercise and stuff like that. And they want to, they want that to end. And I think getting people to, you know, focusing on that, if that is something that resonates with you and focusing on the reason you are taking yourself out of this kind of toxic environment is enough to keep you going. But it doesn't mean that you have to get everybody in your family on board, particularly not those, you know, close to you. I think the difficult part of this is learning what you can then connect with 
them over something else like what can you connect with them over and it might even be really really small things that you can just steer it almost away from that kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. and I think quite often people you know get into this idea that they need to prove that they are still fit and healthy I see that a lot in my practice where people go okay I'm just going to prove to my loved ones and my immediate family or my mom or whoever it is that actually yeah I'm not dieting anymore but I'm like going to be really, really into my exercise. I'm going to be really into, you know, eating all, you know, nutritious foods or they they just go into this, like, it's like another level mm-hmm. of proving themselves and like having to, and, and we don't have to prove anything. And I think we kind of can get really caught up in the idea that we need to mm-hmm. really show people that we're not letting ourselves go. We're not giving up on ourselves. And we don't owe anyone that, but it, I understand that it can be really, really difficult and mm-hmm. really hard to go. Well, I still exercise. Well, I still mm-hmm. do this. I still run. And you don't have to still do any of those things because some of those things may have contributed to your, you know, what you've suffered with in terms of food and body. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, it's such a difficult time. I think this time of year is really, really emotive, isn't it? It's really hard to navigate. And I think it's just, doing the best you can to kind of get through the holidays, but also enjoy them and not feel like you don't want to go there anymore. You don't want to spend time with family. It's finding that sweet spot of what works for, for you. Yeah. What you were saying about the proving, I call that hustling for your worthiness. And I see that in myself, like less so now, but you're absolutely right. There was a time when I um, felt like I had to like publish my blood test results so that people could see that I was actually healthy. That in itself is problematic because we also can't base our worthiness on our health status because we're not largely in control of that, right? We can't base our worthiness on our weight because we're not largely in control of that. But um, yeah, I, I, I think... Coming up to this time of year, you're absolutely right. And I think if we can start to brainstorm some kind of strategies, this is where I'm so glad we're having a podcast because one of my biggest responses has always been to like throw on a podcast. When you're when you're in a situation, like I'm just thinking of like somebody, one of our listeners around a kitchen table with like 12 other people who are all talking about diets and you're maybe the largest people at that table and you just feel like even though they're not making it about you, it's ultimately about you. Can you take yourself away back to your room and put on a podcast and find your anti-diet friends? And I just hope we are somebody's anti-diet friends at some point. Yeah, I love that idea of having someone be able to, you know, I think it's really important actually to be able to build in time, especially that time of year when you're being, it's really intense and you're quite often staying at people's houses and guest rooms or you've got people in your home and it's in, it's into your space and they're not there all the time. And all of a sudden they're in your home and they're around you all the time is just making sure that you build in time to either get outside, go for a walk, you know, quite often in December, especially here, it's very crisp and and bright and you can get outside and go for a wander and just stick on a podcast and feel like you're back with your anti-diet friends and you just spend 40 minutes listening to us or others out there and just, yeah, absorbing that and knowing that, you know, you're okay and that you're safe and just giving yourself that break from the intense time of year that it is around family yeah. especially if it's steeped in diet culture yeah that's yeah. a good point 
Yeah, and continue to be kind to yourself. Like those are the moments when we start thinking like, oh, well, if my food is being judged, you know, um, by others, it's easy to start restricting um, because that's what other people expect. But, you know, noticing, noticing those things and trying as much as possible to keep yourself mentally healthy and physically healthy and keep nourishing yourself with podcasts and food and kindness and everything you need to do to just um, survive and then come back to your community who gets you and I dearly hope that everyone does have a community of people that gets them you know and often those are chosen family as opposed to genetic family Um, community is so important in this work because you aren't just generally going to walk into a space and it be filled with people who are on this anti-diet journey you have to seek it out um so I just hope I hope all our listeners have that in one respect or the other or can find that um do you have anything else to say on boundaries before we wrap up no I don't think so it's good to talk about it though it was on my mind this week yeah me too actually and I think um I think it's I think we'll do more I think we'll yeah do more oh definitely this. this is a subject that keeps coming this kid's yeah. a gift that keeps yeah. giving should we say <laughs> yeah yeah, it is. yeah well have a good week and um how do we wrap up these things I forgot <laughs> don't forget to uh, follow subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review we'd love to know what you think of the show and always send us your ideas for what you want to hear in future episodes um we're always open to receive any thoughts about that so just find us on instagram at the anti-diet club podcast yeah all right i'll see you next time see you soon